have landed on the one and only podcast where you'll learn about the people and places that inspire life-changing travel. This is Dramatic Travels. Hello, my friends, Aaron Schlein here. And if you're serious about sharing rich travel experiences with your family and getting the best possible value, then you'll want to check out my online community at DramaticTravels.com slash family. So enjoy this episode of the podcast, then head over to DramaticTravels.com slash family for more info. Dramatic Travels family, I am very pleased to introduce you to my featured guest today, Mr. Mark Wild. Mark, are you ready to dive into some family travel drama? I certainly am. All right. Mark is a family travel blogger, along with his wife, Beck, and their daughters, Willow and Marley. On their blog, Wild Family Travel, the Wilds share their unique perspectives on affordable travel destinations, attractions, and accommodations. When the Wilds aren't traveling, you can find them talking travel, writing about travel, and of course, planning future travel. Mark, that's your official bio, so please take a minute, expand on that, and tell us about your world. Uh, I live in small town Australia. When I say small town Australia, a population of about 5,000 people is the town we live in, so uh, I've always wanted to get out of this town because I think there's certainly more to life than what you find in your hometown. I think uh, too many people fall into the trap of thinking uh, where they live is how the world is, Uh, and unless you actually get out, you don't actually see what the world's like. And I'm a big believer in uh, exposing our kids to different cultures, religions, countries, and I think that can only make our kids more accepting uh, adults going forward and better world citizens. And in today's uh, climate, I think uh, all kids can certainly benefit from being exposed to different cultures. And I can certainly echo that. Mark, I had the I had the pleasure over the weekend of meeting a gentleman named Rick Steves. Does that name mean anything to you? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I met him at the Bay Area Travel and Adventure Show, and he has a line that he, he uses a lot, but it's a great one. And this applies to, to folks in the United States. He says that 96% of the world's population ex- exists outside our borders, and that's the borders of the U.S., so that number is even higher probably for for Australia or smaller countries. And we need to be spending our time building bridges instead of walls. And that really resonated with me, you know, even three days later, I'm still thinking about it. So that really, really kind of drives home. I think that that same point you were trying to make to get our kids out there and show them that there's more, more to this world than just the folks that exist in their backyard. Oh, that's for sure. So Mark, I definitely want to get into everything you're doing with wild family travel and beyond, but I'd like to start at the beginning. And in the Dramatic Travels podcast, I really emphasize that your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So let's start at the beginning and try to engage those emotions and tell us about your earliest travel memory and what made it so memorable. Uh, look, my dad was a bit of a traveler, like only locally or within you know the area that we lived. Um, so some of my earliest travel memories are being in the car with my uh, with my parents driving to to places close to us, around us. My dad uh, used to love fishing, so we used to go to the beach a lot. Uh, 
things like that. And I can always remember us, you know, uh, singing songs and talking in the car as we were getting close to places. And I'd always ask him about where we were going and what he what he thought was good about these areas and things like that. So, and you know, one of my earliest travel memories is we took a trip to Sydney. Uh, Sydney, from where we live, is about ten hours away. And um, my mum still tells me to this day she can always remember me running around the uh, the Sydney Opera House with no shoes on, up and down the stairs, and things like that. So that's certainly one of my earliest memories and that certainly has uh you know set me off on a love of travel that i've uh tried to portray to my wife now and my kids running around the opera house barefoot you said yes barefoot my mum always tells me we went to the opera house and i was running up and down the staircases there with no shoes on so uh yeah it's always a memory that she brings up all the time how could she possibly forget it i've heard lots of opera house stories but never never one that included barefoot children so thanks for sharing that mark so sticking on the similar theme and definitely engaging those emotional memories i'm going to ask you about a specific person who inspired you to travel and who immediately pops into your mind when I ask you that question and help us really get to know them? Uh, actually, my wife, um, <laughs> quite surprisingly. she. Uh, when we got together, I'd, um, I'd traveled not much. You know, I'd been to Europe. Um, I'd seen a little bit of Australia, but she'd never uh, – she had no desire to, to travel. It was never something she'd thought of doing. Um, so – you know, when she when we got together, I was like, you know, okay, we're going to go traveling. You know, we're going to go overseas. We're going to experience this. We're going to experience that. And she was still, I would say, very hesitant. Um, even to the stage, the very first time we flew out, we flew out of uh, Sydney Airport, and it was raining and it was pouring and there was a thunderstorm. And she really didn't want to go. She was, uh, she thought the plane was going to crash. She asked the uh, the stewards on the plane, "Is this plane going to crash?" You know, but um. You know, we went and landed in Munich, Germany, and uh, the very first thing we did, we got off the plane, and I met a friend there who I'd previously met in Munich, and we went to a castle in Munich called uh, Schloss Nymphenburg. Um, so I always say that's our castle, and that's one of the best memories I've had, and uh, she now loves traveling as much as I do. So she was my inspiration for travel. So just being a part of, of her getting over that fear of travel was an inspiration to you? Is that what you're trying to say? Definitely, definitely. Awesome. And I wanted to inspire her to see the world. And I think I have. So, Well, again, that's another first. I, you know, I've, I've been talking to people for a, about this topic for a while now. And that's and hearing the way you described your interaction with your wife and, and introducing her to travel and then her becoming your inspiration. That's a, that's a relationship that I haven't come across before. So that's awesome. What was going through your mind on that, on that first flight when you know, you're sitting there next to your wife and kind of seeing her really struggling? How, how would how'd that make you feel? I was a bit nervous too. Uh, you know, I was hoping that nothing bad was going to happen and uh, uh, on our trip at all, and uh, nothing did, obviously. But um, you know, it took a takes a bit of time to reassure my wife. Um, even still, now she gets a bit nervous when we first go to new places we've never been to and things like. And so do I. I mean, the unknown is uh, you know the unknown to worry to a lot of us. And you know, where travel's all about stepping outside your comfort zone, stepping outside the box, outside the square, as they say. Um, you know, and going to new places is always like that because you never quite know what you're going to expect. But um, that's half the fun and that's half the challenge of it. Great. So outside of the maybe the fear of, of flying, what were some of those, uh, those other fears that were running through her mind and maybe through your own mind as well as you guys were embarking on that trip? Oh, look, I'm sure she thought we were going to get robbed and uh, mugged and <laughs> the kids could get kidnapped and <laughs> things like that. Um, 
you know, like I said, we live in a, a small sheltered environment uh, in the town we live in in Australia where we know everyone in the community and, you know, our kids go to school with the neighbours and, you know, you walk outside and you say hello to people, you walk down the street, you know, a dozen people. So, uh, so I guess to go outside that environment to places where, you know, you don't necessarily know anyone and no one knows you and you don't greet anyone hardly, you know, uh, it can be a little bit daunting. Uh, without question. That's why I really appreciate you uh, sharing that story. That's why I wanted I dug into it a little bit deeper because there are so many fears that people carry throughout their life, uh, children and adults about travel, you know, really always assuming that worst, you know, that the worst is going to happen when they step outside their comfort zone and visit these, these countries and these places and these people whom they, you know, they know very little about. And I feel like the human, you know, the human nature is to assume the worst. So if we can I can do even just my little part here with this podcast to help people get over those fears. I consider it a win for all of us. So I, I really thank you for sharing that story and hopefully it can inspire even just one person to just take that step and get over those fears and get out and see this wonderful wide world of ours. Definitely. So on a similar note, so you talked about some of your fears and you probably don't, you don't travel as much as the wild family does without encountering your share of low moments in your travels. Can you tell us about a low moment, something that hopefully something that really rocked you paint us a picture and tell us what you learned from it. Uh, yeah, we were, uh, we'd just been to Pompeii in, um, in Italy, obviously. And we were getting back on a train at uh, Naples train station and we had a bag stolen, like right from it, snatched off the, uh, the table in, in front of us on the train. Um, look, that to me was, uh, look, I think you can get complacent when you travel, you know, you think uh, nothing's going to happen. It's not going to happen to me. You know, nothing's going to get stolen. And um, so that once again really uh, was a really hard moment for my wife. She was uh, she was like she wanted to go home <laughs> straight after that, back to Australia. Um, but, you know, we got over it and you continue on. Like in the end, uh, nothing that can't be replaced. Actually, my camera was in it and that couldn't be replaced. So that was probably the only real negative about it is that I'd lost a couple of weeks worth of, uh, worth of memories that couldn't be replaced. But... Other than that, um, you know, every, everything you've got can be replaced, and as long as you're all right and safe, you know, it was it was not a big drama, but it's always a drama when something like that happens to you overseas. I guess it relates to what we we're talking about before and brings up them, uh, you know, those negative feelings that you <laughs> that you can have about travelling. But stuff like that's just as likely to happen where you live. Like you know, people can steal stuff out of your backyard or out of your car, or you know, you can have your bag stolen in any major city. So it's not. It's not, not greatly different than anywhere else, but that was probably one of the maybe the worst experiences we've had overseas. I think we've been pretty lucky not to have encountered too many major dramas while we've been traveling. Well, and I think you're you're in the majority in that, in that the vast, overwhelming majority of people never have that, you know, that worst case fear really come true. It's 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 smaller things. Not that getting your bag stolen doesn't suck, because it does. But like you said, you know, there's very few things that can't be replaced and maybe a little better, better preparation on your part next time to, to protect those, those photo photographs, you know, and then really you've got nothing, really nothing gets lost that can't be replaced in, the, in that situation, especially with the technology, the way it is today with all the, the iCloud and the various ways you can back up your photographs, you know, you really don't lose anything. So just pr that preparation that goes in ahead of time and just don't give them, don't leave anything out there that to be stolen that can't be replaced. And That's then you, it, hot tip, hot tip, make sure your Dropbox is not full already. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Check that storage and buy more if you need it before you leave home. 
So that's we've talked about a couple lower moments. So let's travel to the other extreme. And again, engaging those emotions. Can you share with us one of your most inspirational travel moments and really take us there and paint us a picture? Yeah, for sure. We were uh, in Cota in Montenegro, um, beautiful town, uh, beautiful small town, UNESCO World Heritage Town. Um, it's been around for a thousand years or more. It's at the end of a fjord, basically. So it's a little town and hills rise basically vertically up around it. Uh, it's probably the most beautiful place in Europe that I've ever been, without a doubt. So um, so we were there uh there's a castle on the hill um, because Montenegro is probably not as developed as some other places. You know, there's no lifts, there's no uh, gondola up there. You know, you've got to basically climb the uh, the 1,500 steps from the old town straight up to the castle at the top. So one of my most memorable moments was doing that with the wife and our kids. Our kids are not uh, – our kids moaned all the way up, but <laughs> we kept going and got to the top and, like, the view from the top was was so rewarding and the fact that we did it together as a family, you know, urged each other on. Uh, I often say that the wilds are built more for comfort than for speed, so we're more uh, we're more gondola than hiking, but uh, this day we took it on because some places you may only go once, so you've got to do these things while you're there because I often – I'm a fan of saying – we may never come back here. So while we're here, we need to do it. And to me, that was probably one of my favourite travel moments was going there. Plus uh, another quick one was going to Iceland, seeing the uh, the waterfalls, the black beaches. So certainly, um, you know, there's a lot of great memories that I've got. And how old were your girls on that trip to Montenegro? Uh, let me think. It was like eight and 11. So... But we don't do a lot of hiking around here. There's a lot of bush. We do a bit of bushwalking, as we call it, but that's generally flat track stuff through the uh, through the bush. Nothing that's generally going uphill. And these uh, these steps to the castle in Montenegro were built like 500 years ago, so some of them were probably half a meter high and things like that. So it was a very uh, very uneven and punishing track up to the top. I think it took us a couple of hours to get up there, but. Uh, in the end, it was certainly well worth it. Sounds like those steps were built for neither comfort nor speed. That is true. So can you describe, uh, if you can, the impact that it had on your girls? Uh, look, I think it sort of instilled the uh, the inspiration that we can accomplish anything together as a family when traveling. Um, you know, if we're together and we're helping each other, we can, uh, we can accomplish most things. Um, you know, it's great to do things as a family. It's great to inspire each other. It's great to help each other and it's great to cheer each other on. So when we got to the top... You know, we sat down, we had some big high fives, we talked about it, you know, we sat there and took in the view, took plenty of photos, and whenever we're trying to accomplish something good, I always bring out the photos and remind them of that day that we climbed way up to the top of the castle, and uh, yeah, look, it's just one of them really good experiences that come to my mind straight up. Yeah, inspire each other, and together you can accomplish anything. Those are fantastic words of wisdom to live by. Thanks for sharing that, Mark. Let's shift a bit to what you guys do in wild family travel. So you, the wild, tell us about wildfamilytravel.com and what exactly your, you know, your goals are and what you're trying, the message you're trying to spread with wildfamilytravel.com. Uh, look, so we've been probably blogging for a couple of years now on uh, Wild Family Travel. Like it's basically you'll find that most of our content is either European based or Australian based. Um, because that's the places we've obviously we live in Australia, so we've spent a lot of time in Australia. Europe is probably our, our choice of destination, um, 
but Asia is coming up next year, so there'll be more content there. But look, we just like to, I like to talk about uh, activities, I think affordable activities. I often say that you'll see no five star, no Michelin star on our uh, on our website because, uh, you know, I don't want people to think that it's impossible, you know, to travel with kids. Um, you know, I read enough Facebook pages where people are like, oh, I can't possibly travel with my kids. It's too hard. You know, all this sort of stuff like this. You know, we took our first child at 10 months to Europe for six weeks. You know, she was 10 months old. So, you know, we nursed her on our lap all the way from Australia on a 25-hour flight, you know, and landed in Amsterdam. And uh, and so it's certainly possible. And our website's all about, uh, I guess, trying to trying to show people that there is affordable things that can be done. Um, you know, there's free, free things that can be done while you're overseas. Uh, we're a big fan on doing the, uh, the free city walking tours because I think they're absolutely amazing. You'll often find them and they're some of the best tours that I've ever done because the guides work for tips. So the guides work really hard to keep you, keep your attention to, you know, they're pretty much like showmen, a lot of them. So, um, so things like that, um, you know, accommodation, affordable accommodation. Look, I, I've never stayed in a five-star. I've never stayed in a four-star, I don't think. Um, you know, to me, the accommodation is a accommodation's a side thing. You know, you only really need to sleep there, like, as long as it's safe and it's functional for you. Um, you know, accommodation shouldn't be a big part of any holiday because if you're spending too much time in your in your accommodation, you're not seeing anything. So, um, so that's another thing I write about, you know, is what you need for accommodation, things like that. So, you know, there's a big mixture of tips on our website for, uh, for first time travelers, for all family travelers. And there's a lot of destination and attraction guides as well. Great. And Mark, you also have a, a family, a Facebook group, wild family travel, a group of which I'm a member and the group's stated mission is to inspire others to travel. Now, you touched on this a little bit in your previous answer, but can you just boil it down to just one or two sentences what that means to you to inspire others to travel? Uh, to make people want to travel, I guess. Uh, look, you know, people, I often want, see places, I see pictures on Facebook and I go, oh, I want to go there. So, you know, um, nothing is ever gained without a bit of, what am I trying to say? Okay, look, yeah, you've got to give something up in order to gain something. So I'm a big believer that if you want to travel enough, you will certainly do it. Um, you know, if a picture on Facebook inspires you, if a video on Facebook inspires you, if something on Lonely Planet inspires you, be inspired, do it. Give something up. Don't buy your lunch every day. Don't buy a coffee. You know, um, there's ways to save, save money to travel. And if you want to do it enough, you'll do it. Well, I, if anyone out there in podcast land, if you're looking for that Family travel inspiration, you definitely can find that at wildfamilytravel.com and the Wild Family Travel Facebook group, which you can check out at facebook.com forward slash wildfamilytravel. And that's, I haven't mentioned this yet, that's wild with a Y, my friends, W-Y-L-D. So wildfamilytravel.com and facebook.com forward slash wildfamilytravel. Now, Mark, in addition to your work with Wild Family Travel, you also work as a disability support worker for people with intellectual disabilities. Tell me about that. Uh, look, it's sort of a field that I actually fell into. <laughs> Surprisingly enough, I had always worked in retail. I was an assistant manager of a furniture store and I'd sort of had enough of that sort of field. And my sister had long been working in disability support. She's uh, actually now working in it for nearly 35 years. And she said to me one day, she said, you've got a that laid back sort of attitude that nothing, uh, you know, that that, that suits disability support. So I sort of went for a trial and fell into it. And now I work with uh, 
with people with autism, acquired brain injury, all sorts of things like that, and help them uh, access the community. In Australia, uh, you know, we do fishing, uh, walking, life skills, cooking, lots of things like that. So, <laughs> hey, puppy, um, I walk, you know, so so I walk, work, work at a day placement centre where they go. So it's like a school. Um, I also work in a house that they live in. So that pretty much monopolises my work at the moment. Look, it's a pretty rewarding job, and uh, but like any job, it has its days. You know, you work with some guys that have challenging behaviours and other guys that don't. So like any job, uh, 99% is it's great. Some days it's not so great. But, yeah, it's a really good job. It allows me a lot of flexibility too because I have three different – I work for three different companies in that field. So it's great. Well, Bob, you're just a renaissance man all the way around, and that's, that's really cool. I wouldn't ordinarily – ask people about what they do outside of their travel space. But that was just, I found that so intriguing. I, I wanted to be able to to learn more about you and, and share it with my audience. So I appreciate you diving into that. So moving on with wild family travel, what do you have in store for us coming up in 2018? What's coming up that you're pumped about? Okay. Uh, in three weeks time, we're heading to the Gold Coast in uh, Queensland, Australia. I don't know if anyone knows the Gold Coast, but it's very much, I would say, Similar to America, somewhere like Florida, you know, uh, lots of high rises, lots of beaches, lots of theme parks. Uh, so we're off there in three weeks' time for a, a few weeks. And um, after that, we're going to stay actually pretty quiet until the end of 2018 because at the start of 2019, we're planning on 12 to 18 months of long term travel starting in Asia in January of 2019. And winding up sometime in Europe in the middle of 2020. Wow, sounds like you've got your you got your hands full, which is certainly better than having them empty. Definitely awesome, man. Well, thanks for sharing. We're going to take a short break here and hear from our nonprofit partner, and then we're going to be right back with Mark Wild from WildFamilyTravel.com. Every student deserves a chance to expand his or her global education, regardless of where they come from or how much money they have. I believe this to be true, and so does Flight. Flight is a nonprofit organization that empowers students in underserved communities through transformative travel experiences. Flight was founded in 2015 by travel author and blogger Matthew Kepnes, better known as Nomadic Matt. Since 2015, Flight has sent three groups of students to Mexico, Cuba, and Ecuador, and they're in the process of selecting their next school partner for a trip this coming summer. Flight was built with the support of donors who believe that travel can positively change the trajectory of one's life and create more well-informed global citizens. I encourage you to visit DramaticTravels.com slash flight. There you'll find links to join the flight community and donate to this fantastic organization. Now, flight is spelled F-L-Y-T-E. So that address again on the web is DramaticTravels.com slash flight. Dramatic Travels family, welcome back. We're speaking today with Mark Wild from wildfamilytravels.com. And now it's time for you to turn up those earbuds, pay attention, because Mark's going to be dropping some travel knowledge. Mark, can you tell us, in your opinion, what is the best, most effective way to capture, the, capture those travel memories? And do you have any tips for using your method effectively? Look, I... <laughs> Capture the memories. Look, I take a lot of photos. I know that sounds what everyone does, but I think these days with uh, digital cameras, you can certainly take photos to the cows come in, as we would say. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, you can always edit them later. But, you know, I also keep a journal. So it's still a handwritten journal just to just to write down uh, what we do every day, where we go. Uh, I've encouraged my kids to keep a journal. So they also kept a handwritten journal last time we went around. Um, so I think that's probably an effective way for me because going forward, as we get older, I will always have uh, always have the handwritten journals to go back and look at. The kids will have them, so hopefully, you know, they'll get passed down from generation to generation and inspire more wild family travelers. Can you dig in just a little bit to maybe one little specific tactic that you do when you're keeping your journal? Something that helps you really trigger or go back to those memories, or helps you just helps you stay on task, keeps you accountable in writing your journal. Look, I try and be very sensory, I guess, and I learned this from my work. Um, you know, sensory, so what you've seen, what you smelt, what you felt even possibly at that time. So I guess uh, writing about feelings um, generally helps take me back to the place I was. So, you know, I could say I was walking down La Rumbla in Barcelona or something like that, and I could smell the, you know, the, I don't know, the paella or something like that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, so... I don't know if that's a big tip, but I think the more sensory you can be, the more descriptive you can be of a place or an experience, uh, the easier it will be to take you back to it or even something you associate with it. You know, you might see a picture of something and say, hey, I went there, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, I think the, the sensory side of writing is uh, is probably the easiest way to take you back to, to the experience. Well, it may seem like simple advice to you, Mark, but I know in, in talking to a lot of people that it's an, it's an underutilized tactic in keeping a journal is really digging into those senses because my goodness, senses really are a way to unlock those memories that we know are in our brain. I mean, we've got memories on top of memories of virtually everything we've ever done. They're in there. You just need that key to unlock it. And the senses really, really have a whole lot of power, more power than maybe most people realize. You know, you smell, you smell that that food cooking that might take you back to to somewhere you'd visited years and years ago and automatic and you know and instantly you're just right back there right back in that moment or you hear something one actually one thing that was funny kind of a bit of an aside but you talked about audio tours earlier and i uh, i really love like um digital audio tours that you could download to your smartphone and just you know guide you around a town and then Go back maybe six months or a year later and listen to that same audio tour again back when you're back home. And my goodness, for me, at least my experience, I just go right back to that moment. I can close my eyes and basically take that tour again in my mind. Uh, it's, it's, it's really a whole lot of fun. So anyway, long-winded way of saying, yes, sensory memories are insanely powerful. So definitely tap into those when you're keeping your journal. Mark, what is a specific lesson or skill that you've learned in your travels that helps you navigate everyday life? Uh, I guess delvaging back to what I said at the start is just to be accepting and uh, think out of the box and try different things. Um, you know, one thing about traveling is, you know, wherever we go, I like to, you know, try the food, experience the culture, um, try the beer. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> the wine. Uh, taste the culture, I call it. <laughs> Sense of taste. But, yeah. But look, I think, um, you know, the whole thing – about life is is trying to accept new things um you know and travel teaches you that in bucket loads and and you know if you can be more accepting um i know i touched on this before but that's i guess that's one of the things that travels taught me is to is to be more accepting is to accept other people's opinions you know no one's wrong everyone just has a different thought about things and you know if if you can accept um if you can accept that about life in general, you know, it's a lot of things are not personal, you know, it wasn't, yeah, 
I'm rambling a bit here, but that's <laughs> that's the way I look at it. That's what travel teaches you is to you know is to accept different things and you know just move on with it. It's not wrong. It's not right. It's just the way life is at times, and you know move on, accept it, and go. Yep, those are all incredibly powerful lessons to learn. And there's really no way, no faster way, in my opinion, to learn those lessons than through travel. You know, those are you get you you definitely gain perspective as the years go by in life, even when you're, you know, just in your own hometown. But when you get out and see the world, experience different places, experience different cultures, that perspective, in my opinion, comes a lot faster. And you empathize with your with your fellow man and you know, develop patience, all these really great skills that, you know, just have no downside. You know, there's you can't have too much empathy, you can't have too much patience. Well, that's it. It opens your mind to, you know, maybe experiences and thoughts and you know, processes and paths forward that you certainly sometimes wouldn't have, uh, wouldn't have been accepting to, I guess, until you travelled. Um, and you know, I, I don't want to sound like a guru or anything, but I think that's yeah, that's one of the great things of, of travelling is the, you know, the mind path, as I call it, that it takes you on, and you know, allows you to, you know, allows you that journey in your head and the journey to accept different things in life and the journey to possibly take different directions in life by stepping outside the box. Certainly true. Mark, can you introduce the Dramatic Travels family to a travel-related book and tell us why it's so special to you? A travel-related book? Uh, Yeah, actually, I've got a... um, a map book uh, produced by DK. Um, looking at a, it's a map of. It has different maps of all over the world, starting from when maps were were first made. And I love maps. I'm a big fan of maps. I've got a few maps on my wall that we've bought from different places. I love old maps, and I love uh, medieval um, medieval areas. So I love UNESCO old towns and places like. That. I think that's what my love of Europe is because it's old. Um, Australia's not old, America's not old. Um, so Europe is old and I really love old things. So this book inspires me because it shows in different parts. It might show, say, Istanbul in the 1300s, the 1500s, the 1800s. And I've never been to Istanbul, but I just love to see how the cities have progressed forward. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a good thing sometimes. I mean, I'd prefer, I'd prefer to go and visit a city as it was like in the 15th century. I think it would be fantastic. And the only chance you can actually get to do things like that basically is if they've got a um, an old town area of the cities in Europe. And, you know, I love the old town areas. Uh, you know, some of the best ones are in, you know, like Krakow and the Bari Gothic area in, in Barcelona and things like that that were visited. You know, they're old winding little streets and things like that. And it's just amazing from my point of view anyway, because like I said, Australia is only, you know, a little bit over 240 years old or something. And we certainly have nothing like that in Australia. There's no old towns here. You know, my nearest city, Melbourne was built, you know, in the 1880s or something like that. So, uh, yeah, so that's one of my fascinations with Europe and books like that about medieval places, medieval towns and maps really inspire me. So is there one map book in particular that you can, can recommend or just map books in general? Yeah, no, it's a, um, I can't even think of the name of it now. I've got it. It's produced by DK. I think it's called Maps Maps Throughout the Years. Um, but it's mainly yeah, – but it's not just based on um, on Europe. It's based on all the world around. So there's some uh, – I've got that in my lounge room, but I don't really want to get up and leave you to go. <laughs> no, no worries. And you know what, Mark? We can link – I can use uh, the power of Google to look this all up. And we're going to link Excellent. that up in Mark's show notes. So anybody out there who's uh, who's fascinated by maps the way Mark is – 
you know, maybe you're going to want to, you're going to want to check this out. So dramatictravels.com, all you got to do to search Mark in the search bar right there on the front page, you'll go straight to his show notes. Everything we've talked about today is going to be up there and we'll link up that, that map book recommendation. So Mark, can you recommend a, a gadget or a tool or a resource you use on every trip that just makes every trip better or easier? Uh, I use a spreadsheet for a lot of different things. Yes, um, I'm a spreadsheet man myself. <laughs> I love a good spreadsheet. Um, my uh, desktop on my laptop is full of spreadsheets, you know, listing everything from, you know, countries I want to go to, where they need a visa, what the currency is that accepted there, uh, hotels I've looked at, you know, that I want to bookmark, uh, places I want to go in that city. A bit like Google Maps too. Google Maps is another thing I can't live without because I go along, I research things, I put a pin there, you know, I put the picture there with it. So I may not go to these places, but if I ever get near there, then I've always got a reference of something to see in that area. So I would say a good spreadsheet and Google Maps is certainly a great resource to pin attractions, destinations, hotels, restaurants, you name it. You can pin it on Google Maps within the city you're going to for reference. And you can, you know, you can pick that up on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop uh, and check it out. Uh, check it out wherever you are as long as you've got some – I think you can even access Google Maps offline. So, uh, you know, so Google Maps is a great one. And, yeah, get the spreadsheet organized, get it set out and get it ready to go. <laughs> My friends, never, ever underestimate the power of a good spreadsheet. And – Always know where you're going. Use those Google Maps. You combine those two things, the power of the spreadsheet, the power of the Google Maps, and you will be an unstoppable traveler, at least in my opinion. Definitely. All right, Mark, we're going we're gonna to start winding things down here, but this is what the Dramatic Travels podcast is all about. It's about inspiring parents to inspire their kids through their travels. So when I'm turning to you, people like you, insp- inspi- or inspiring travelers like yourself, please share with us one stellar piece of advice for parents looking to inspire their kids through travel, but really just don't know where to start? Uh, I would say that all you'll have to do is take them traveling the first time. And then that should actually, that will inspire them to continue to travel. Uh, You know, we took our kids and the first time and now, you know, we might be watching TV or watching a movie and we'll see a place and I'll say, we've been there. You know, and they will love it. They'll go, yes, we have been there. Or they'll pick places out on TV or in a book or in a magazine and say we've been there. And and, and now we sit around the table and talking about, you know, and they will say, I want to go here and I want to go here and I want to go here. So I think uh, the best inspiration for uh, inspiring your kids is to actually just take them traveling that first time, um, you know, and give them a bit of an idea of what it's about. And they'll certainly find their own inspiration from that. And then, you know, pretty soon they'll be helping you plan trips and telling you where they want to go and what they want to do and what they want to eat and what they want to see. And uh, look at all these spirals to the stage where, you know, we often, like I said, sit around a table at dinner time talking about travel, talking about where we're going, what we're going to do. And, you know, that's, uh, that's continual chatter in the wild house. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Get that icebreaker trip out of the way. That's, you know, that's one of the biggest things I'm really trying to uh, inspire others or parents out there through the Dramatic Travels podcast is to just get out there, take that first trip, make those mistakes, learn from them, and then learn from our mistakes. The Every guest I have on this podcast, we're sharing our mistakes and our things that we've learned over our, our years of travel. So those people out there who are maybe fearful of taking that first trip can maybe just have a little bit, that little bit easier of a time have been able to learn from the mistakes that we've made. 
ahead of them. So Mark, before we say goodbye, I definitely want to give you a chance to share with the Dramatic Travels family where we can go to learn more about you and how they can get in touch. Uh, certainly. So you can obviously go to our website at wildfamilytravel.com. Uh, you can, there's an email address on there. Look, I'm happy to, happy to take questions, love talking to people, love chatting about travel. So you can find us there. You can find us on Facebook at Wild Family Travel. You can find us on Twitter at Wild Fam Travel. Um, you can find us pretty much anywhere on the net. You can find us at YouTube as well and Pinterest and all the major social media channels pretty much at Wild Family Travel on any of them. Um, like I said, happy to happy to answer questions. Uh, look, our YouTube channel's got about 120 short videos on it that go anywhere between a minute and two minutes. So um, check that out because there's some good travel inspiration on there with stuff from Australia and Europe. So that's one of the big ones I like to uh, like to direct people to and hope that we can inspire them by visual. Absolutely. Definitely got to bring people that, that medium that, that they like to, that they prefer to consume or the, bring people media in uh, the way that they like to consume it. And video is definitely the way of the future without question. So Wild Family Travels is all over the virtual world. And again, check out the show notes for, uh, for Mark's episode at DramaticTravels.com. All the stories, all the advice, the recommendations, all the links, all the different ways that Mark just shared. So how you can get in touch with Wild Family Travels. It's all going to be right up there. Mark, it's been a pleasure, man. Really had a great time and you're doing great things out there with Wild Family Travel and the Wild Family Travel Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash Wild Family Travel. Thanks a lot, man. We really appreciate it. Have a great one, bud. Thanks, bloke. It's been excellent. All right. That does it for another episode of the Dramatic Travels podcast. And my friends, if you're enjoying the podcast, which I assume you are, if you've made it this far into the episode then two things. Number one, you deserve to know that yes, that was my dog barking at about the 19 minute mark during my interview with Mark Wilde. And number two, I'd really appreciate it if you tell a friend about the Dramatic Travels podcast because we're having a whole lot of fun over here and I'd really love to, uh, to get as many people on board to join the Dramatic Travels family. So I really appreciate it. Aaron Schlein signing off for today. And remember, my friends, your emotional memories are your most powerful memories. So put some emotion in your motion. Mm-hmm.